series and um, uh, talked about a blessed and privileged people. That's who we are. And we talked about our riches in Christ last week or that we are heirs. We have an inheritance in him, a, re- a rich inheritance in him. Uh, I'm thankful that God has grafted us in and, and put us in his kingdom. And today we'll continue in this series of blessed and privileged people. Our scripture, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 in verses 19 and 20. Paul writing to the church here said, now, that means at this moment, you know, whenever there's a, a now, we need to listen up. Now, therefore, You are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So today we're going to talk about uh, our position in Christ, and because God has made us citizens of his kingdom, We must live no longer as strangers. We must live as heirs of his kingdom. Let's pray for our lesson. Lord, we love you and thank you today for your word. Thank you for including us, Lord, for uh, making salvation available to all of us. God, we praise you for it. Today, help our hearts to receive this word, to be blessed by it. We're going to praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give him one more hand clap of praise for his word this morning. Thankful for the word of God. Hallelujah. Thankful for his word. You can be seated this morning. Ephesians has some of the greatest teaching to me uh, for the church. I like uh, the the history of Ephesus. I like reading the things that Paul did, uh, reaching Ephesus. I love the story in the book of Acts where he comes to Ephesus and finds these disciples that he converts. But in his letter to the church, he is reminding us that uh, there's been a change in our citizenship, a change in who we are. And he is writing to us uh, and to the church, so to us as well, but that we should remember that we are not strangers and foreigners anymore. Since this work that Christ did at Calvary, since he came and shed his blood and washed our sins and filled us with his spirit, we are not the same as we were before. We don't uh, take the benefits of citizenship and then live like we're from another country. Yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about natural stuff. I'm talking about spiritually. We, we don't take the benefits of the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven, but then live like we are the kingdom of the world. We must now be different. We are not strangers and foreigners anymore. The work that he did was meant to include us, to change our life. He said, we are now fellow citizens with the saints. That's a, a big step up from who we were to be... Not, and when we read this, we're not just talking about the saints that are still living, but the saints that have gone on. Sometimes we need to remember that there was a mark set by those who have gone on. 
Yeah, and we need to, we're not trying to live up to men's expectations, but we should strive for the mark that they reached. Uh, we have saints that have gone on that lived their life for him, and they stood as an example, as a landmark, as a, a pillar in our life to, to give us direction, to show us uh, how to live our lives. You know, if we don't believe that, then don't try to set your expectations on anybody in Scripture. We, I want to be like David. I'd like to be like Paul. I want to have that kind of patience like Job. Well, forget all that. If we can't believe that these saints that have been born again, lived their life for God, can't be examples of the mark we should try to achieve. Not that we're in comparison or in competition, but somebody cared enough to live their life as a light shining so we would have something to follow. And so we are fellow citizens with the saints. I don't want to uh, bring a bad or bring a reproach on the sainthood. Yeah, I don't want to be a blemish on the saints. I don't want to say, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm part of them, and then not live like them. The Bible says we're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, We can look back and look at the stories of faith and the things they did and endured and how they overcame and and how they uh, received the end of their faith, even the salvation of their souls, the Scripture says. I don't want to be a a blemish on the sainthood. I don't want to be changing what it means uh, to be a saint. I want to live like, I know people say, I don't want to ever say I'm a saint, but we are saints of God. I'm not talking about I'm a saint that some man has ordained me as a saint and has set me up to be worshipped. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being a saint of God, being part of the body, part of the church, being a fellow citizen of the kingdom and of the household of God. And this household built upon the foundation of the apostles and of the prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, a difference has been made in our lives. And I'm thankful for uh, the difference that, that has been made, that, that what a story that each of us have that God called us from one place out of another world practically, out of another life and gave us a new life. Gave us something, uh, the scripture says, Paul described it as now walking in the newness of life. Once we bury the old man that we now are resurrected as Christ was to walk in the newness of life. And that's not who we used to be. And the scripture is filled uh, with people who literally in, in this natural life, their lives were changed to become a part of the people of God. When we read scripture, we... You think of starting at the beginning of the book, you get introduced to the figures in Scripture, Adam and Eve. You know, you you read about them. You read about Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joseph, different ones, you know, that you just read about through Scripture. But in uh, Joshua chapter 2, we are introduced uh, to a woman who, we've talked about her a lot lately, it seems like, but uh, we, we are introduced to her in, in Joshua, the second chapter, as Israel has entered into the promised land and is about to uh, take Jericho. And her name is Rahab. And I'm just going to leave her past behind. I'm just going to leave it alone. She's Rahab. No need to worry about what she did. If God can remit it, we should forget it. So how about that? <laughs> 
So let's just, we, we, know, we know about our past. It was written for our, so we could know. I know it was written down so we could know about it and see what God can do. Uh, so, but we don't have to talk about it. As soon as I said Rahab, that, that second part popped in everybody's mind. So, but Rahab lived in a city and I don't know how she got to where she was in her life. I don't know what choices, what incidents, what happened, how she became uh, or came into her profession. I do know she lived in a wall, in a house, her house was in the wall of the city and she lived, evidently her family was close by. Uh, I don't know that they lived with her, uh, but they were with her in her house when Israel came into Jericho. But she had heard about the people of God. She had heard about what God, in the whole city, because fear had gripped that city. She, she told the spies as much that fear has gripped this city because we have heard what God did for you. How that he took slaves out of bondage and opened up the Red Sea and caused them to go across and drown Pharaoh's army and how that kings and, and cities have fallen uh, in your path as God has made a way for you. She understood that they were coming. She knew they would be there. And I don't know at what point of her realization of this that she got the knock on her door where there were two spies that had come into the city. She lets them in. And then I don't know if they introduced themselves. I don't know if it's just she recognizes hey, there's something familiar. This is two of the guys that belong to the people I've heard about. And she makes a decision right there to save herself and her family. She bargains with the only thing she's got, and it's her life. I will hide you because I know they're looking for you. I'll hide you, but you have to save. When you come and take this city, when God gives you this city, save me and my family alive. You've got to make sure we're alive. That's where we are introduced to Rahab. She is seeking salvation through the help of the people of God. But her act of faith and her actions uh, are just a prelude to our own salvation by faith in Jesus. Because she was a foreigner. She was a Gentile. She was not of the house of Israel. She was not one of God's chosen people. But she wanted what God's chosen people had. She wanted that salvation. She wanted a God that would act on her behalf. She wanted that. And, and we are Gentiles. And if it was still like it was in those days, we would be without God. The easiest definition of a Gentile is this. You're not a Jew. Anybody that's not a Jew, Gentile. That's it. Or you could say that they are people who are without or outside of God's promise. That's the way it was in those days. Anybody that was a Gentile was outside of the promises of God. They were strangers lost in any way. Could you imagine if it was like that today? If we knew there were people of God, but we had no access to that God. We watched and heard all the things that God was doing for this people, but we couldn't experience that. What a miserable way to live uh, in that day. I would want to make sure I, I could do what I could. I would be trying to buy it, do something. I'd want in that. I'd want there. And that's the way God designed it. The, the one part for the division was God's people. They shut up the kingdom of heaven against people. Yeah. Yeah. God always intended everybody to be included. 
because he told Abraham, he, he told him, he said, in, in thee, Abraham, shall all families of the earth be blessed. God was talking about evangelism long before evangelism was cool. <laughs> he was already talking about reaching those that did not belong uh, to him. Even Jesus uh, just kind of blew the mind of his disciples talking about, I've got, I've got sheep you don't know nothing about. I've got people you don't know nothing about. He, he, the woman at the well, she said, why are you a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan? We have no dealings. But even then, Jesus was like, if you just knew who it was, you'd be asking me. And your nationality would not exclude you. You could just ask for this living water and I'd give it to you. Because I've come to reach the world. Well, I'm glad that when we were strangers, when we were not citizens of this kingdom, that God had us on his mind. Abraham is the father of us all. He's the father of faith. And I'm glad that through faith, uh, we can have access into the kingdom. But as strangers to God, we have no hope. People today live in this world and they can have what God's got if they will take what God's got. But, uh, but they are in this world today uh, living as they have no God and if they don't have a God, they have no hope. That's what, when you, when you don't have God, that's where hopelessness comes in. Uh, you, there's a lot of things that can, can rock our world, but as long as you have God, the scripture says, he is an anchor to the soul. We have that hope as an anchor. The, the storms of this life will not just blow me wherever they want to. I am anchored by Jesus of Nazareth. He, he is my hope. He is my strength. He is my peace today. The Gentiles, though, in that day, they were walking, breathing, living definition of hopelessness. God was not fighting for them at that time. They were ignorant of the ways of God, his promises. They did not know his word. And because they lacked hope, they just thought of life as a cycle, that everything that has been, it'll just be again. There was no goal for them to reach because they had no God. They had the gods of their own hands that couldn't do anything, but they had no living God that could deliver. The Gentiles faced life and all of its cruelty alone with no one to turn to, no one to pray to, and nowhere to find rest. Uh, Ephesians 2 and 12, if we back up a little bit, Paul said that at the time, there was a time, we were without Christ. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Aliens. Uh, and having no hope and without God in the world. And the word commonwealth means citizenship. We had no citizenship with God. We were not citizens of of the kingdom. We were not part of the tribes. We were not part of his chosen people. And as strangers, we could not even help ourselves. Back in the days where Rome would, would go in and conquer after they would conquer cities and in places that the people that were in those lands, they coveted after the Roman citizenship because certain liberties came with being a citizen of Rome. It's the same today. If, if a person wants to become a citizen of a country, uh, they get certain uh, liberties. They get certain benefits. Uh, you know, by being a citizen, there's things that you can do and it won't affect you in a negative light, you know. Uh, we, we've had this discussion in our in our country uh, 
uh, over the years of, of people coming in and they say that they've, they're illegal. Well, you know, we want them to be citizens. We want people to be citizens. I, I want to be a citizen of God, of his. I want to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And, and when people are citizens, then they can uh, partake of the benefits that that country offers. And when we are citizens of the kingdom, it's not even just a blessing for us. It's a blessing for other people. It's a blessing for the rest of our family. And, but without a relationship with God, we, we don't have his resources. Now, his mercies new every morning. And, and I know that people, whether they realize it or not, if they wake up, it's because God let them wake up. And they don't realize that. But the resources, the, the uh, ask and it shall be given, the knock and it will be opened, the seek and you'll find. These, there are things that the citizens of the kingdom have access to. Uh, the Bible tells us that God will not hear the prayer of sinners, but if any man be a worshiper. And so I, I know that there are certain benefits that are allowed to God's people that those just live in any kind of way can't just access God unless their heart turns to become a worshiper. They can't say, I'm going to do my own thing, but God, I need you to help in this. But I'm still going to do what I do even after you help. And God's going to be like, keep waiting. God's good to us every day. God's always good because he wants to lead people to repentance, but people don't just get to order God around and decide, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this from you and get this from you, and I'm not going to give you anything in return. We, we won't have, if we don't have a relationship with God, we don't have his resources. Uh, if we don't have a relationship with God, we don't have the Holy Ghost. If we don't have the Holy Ghost, we're none of his. And if we're none of his, well, we may desire the blessings of citizenship, but we have no ability to acquire them on our own. Without God, we are truly alone in this world. We don't have, because nobody else uh, can have uh, the eternal impact on you that God has. Our new citizenship does provide great benefits for us. The kingdom of God is greater than any nation that has ever been here on earth. But look, before Calvary ever happened, before there was ever that benefit of Calvary, Rahab was looking to the people of God and she understood the value of citizenship with those people. So she made a deal. She said, I'll hide you. I'll put, and the book of Hebrews says that's faith. By faith, she received the spies. She, she had faith in God even though she didn't know that God. She had faith in what she had heard. Faith comes by hearing. And so her faith, could it be even as Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness? And, and so that faith she had, it spared her and it spared her family. People have, through the scripture, have always recognized, even people outside of Israel have recognized the value of being connected to the people of God. Ruth. Ruth would not leave Naomi. Where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She had learned something. She was from Moab. She was a, and so she was not from Israel. She was not uh, of the tribes. She was a foreigner. She was a Gentile. She was not included. But she realized the value of citizenship. She knew, I'm not going anywhere that you're not going. 
She, the Bible says she clave to Naomi. She stayed with her. She said, I am going with you. Well, and Naomi tried to bargain with her. Listen, I, I'm not going to have any more children. There'll be nobody for you to marry. You know, you'll just be a, a widow if you stay with me. I don't care because I'm going, I want your God. It's not about, I, I, there's something else besides the things of this life. It's God that I see in you that I want. And so your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I'm going with you. Look how it worked out for Ruth. Yeah, worked out good for Ruth. Worked out good for Ruth that Rahab decided to do what she did. Because of Rahab, Ruth would have a husband. Yeah. If it hadn't been for Rahab, where where would Boaz be? And so we see how God took someone who did not know him, but had faith in him. And God included them into the family of God. Rahab believed in the power of being a part of God's chosen people. And that's what our new citizenship uh, into this kingdom, it comes through faith. Her story perfectly illustrates saving faith. She was without hope, which led her to plead with the two spies for the lives of her and her family. But she had no idea, just as you and I had no idea what this life would entail. She had no idea the plans that God had for her that would change her life. Her life foreshadowed the spiritual access that would be made for every Gentile because it put her in line of the Savior. The Bible gives account of Rahab becoming the great-great-grandmother of David. Rahab gave birth to Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. Jesse fathered David. Rahab's life uh, was uh, just, like I said, a foreshadowing of what could happen. And we, how many, uh, when you started serving the Lord, you ever thought, wow, this is where I would be? You had no idea. You just knew, hey, I'm at the bargaining table right now. This is where I, the deal's got to be made. I want to be saved. And so we, we came to salvation through faith, and then we started walking by faith and walking in the newness of life, not knowing where Jesus would lead us. You think Peter and, and all those disciples understood what Jesus meant when he said, come on and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men? No idea, but I'll find out along the way. And so Rahab found out along the way, uh, you know, historically, it's uh, Salmon, which was her, her husband, was one of the two spies. So evidently they, uh, a spark was there and something was kindled and, and uh, she became part of, she didn't just go with Israel, but she married into it. And she began to live her life and changed her life so that she could be part of the people of God. She could not uh, be married to him and then keep doing the things that she wanted to do. She knew she wanted, uh, like Ruth, she, your God will be my God. I'm not going to come into this thing and then just have all my gods because I've watched uh, my gods. They couldn't protect nothing. I watched the walls fall down. Right. I, I saw what your God could do. Your God will be my God. And so even though she was a Gentile, she was without hope in the world, no access to the promises of God, she believed in God, and that gave her hope. When the two spies made the deal with her, they instructed her to hang a line of scarlet thread from the window, which she used it, uh, to help the spies escape with. The line of scarlet 
thread uh, was a way of escape for the two spies. It would also become the way of escape or the salvation, so to speak, for Rahab and her family. Uh, you know, Rahab, she needed the salvation of God. She needed uh, the promises of God, and she believed it. She, she told the spies, there's no doubt your God is the God of heaven and earth. We've heard of what he can do. And she believed in that God, and, and it, that gave her hope to be saved. It's a lot like Cornelius in the book of Acts. He, he was a, a Gentile, but it said he was a devout man. He prayed always. He fasted. He gave alms. He, he was trying to, to access God. And so one day, God sent an angel and told the, the angel told him, send for Peter so he can come and preach and tell you and your house what you must do to be saved. And so that's what they did. And Peter came and preached the gospel. And Cornelius and his house were filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. They were saved because of a Gentile's faith in the living God. His house, him and his house, Rahab and her house are now going to be saved if she'll do what they said. They said, make sure this scarlet thread is this rope, this line is hanging out of this window when we come and, uh, and that will take care of you and your family. We'll make sure that you and your family are saved alive. That, that uh, word uh, in the Hebrew, uh, it means a rope, but it also means expectation and hope. It's the same word. Uh, in your Strong's Concordance, you'll find it defined as literally as a cord, an attachment. But in a figurative sense, it is expectancy. It is a thing that I long for. And so uh, it is important uh, that we see that uh, this uh, rope was a rope of hope for her. It, when she heard the, the uh, Israel marching around the walls, and no doubt that day she heard that shout and things began to, to change, she, she knew that as long as this scarlet thread is hanging out of this window, I'm going to be all right. And that's the way it is for us. Everyone uh, shares in that story of Rahab and those spies. We, we can experience that line of scarlet thread, that great crimson hope that Jesus provided through the salvation of his blood. He is our scarlet thread. He is that, that hope that we need when, uh, when we were not a people, when we didn't belong. Jesus changed everything by shedding his blood. If he had not shed his blood, it doesn't change, but he shed his blood. He purchased citizenship for all humanity. In sin, there was a great gulf created between God and man, but the blood of Jesus bridged that gap. When we back up to the beginning of this section of Paul's letter in uh, verses 1 through 5, it says, And you... You just tap yourself, that's me. And you has he quickened. You were dead in trespasses and sin. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together 
with Christ and by grace ye are saved. When we were something else, God made us his. Man, I'm telling you, I'm glad today that when we were without hope, when we didn't have what it took uh, to be righteous or to be holy, he bridged the gap. He knew that we could not do this on our own, but he knew that he could do it through his blood. And if we can have faith, uh, the, the blood of Jesus still washes away all sin as long as people can have faith in it. But if you don't have faith in it, uh, the Bible says when, even when the gospel, the life-changing power of salvation gospel is preached, it will not benefit us if it is not mixed with faith. That's scripture. Because he said the gospel was preached to them as well as us, but it did not benefit them because they didn't receive it with faith. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, all the privileges of citizenship are now available. And when we read that, uh, him bridging that gap, you read, in, if you jump from the, to the 13th verse, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. It was the blood that bridged the gap. We've got to have the blood applied. We can't just believe in the blood. We've got to have the blood applied. And through the blood of Jesus, all the privileges of citizenship are now available to us. We've been brought near to God. We were far off but now we're near to God. We have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and now we are given access, uh, really unlimited access to God's person and presence. He, he Greater is He that is in us. He dwells inside of us, and, and uh, we can uh, go boldly before that throne in our time of need. We can pray daily. We can seek Him. We can uh, fellowship with Him, worship Him, and, and feel His presence wherever we are, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. You get in your home, in your car, on the street, while you're walking in the park. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can have that fellowship with Christ. The redemption of Jesus possesses power to break any barrier. It'll, it'll move any barrier, even if they've existed for centuries. And that's what Paul was writing about uh, here. He said in verse uh, 14, he says that Christ, he is our peace, and he's made both one, and he's broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The Jews did not want to have any dealings with the Gentiles until they began to get a little weak in their faith. You know, they, they, when God was saving them, when things were going good, they, they, they would behave, but then they would, you know, God had warned them, don't be mixing up with the, the nations of this world, with the, these other tribes and things like that. You're my people and I called you out, be holy as I am holy. And, and so they took that as, hey, we're not going to have anything to do with them uh, at all. But what happened was that over time, they began to not just separate, but they thought of everybody else as lower than them. They weren't worthy, called them dogs, things of that nature. You know, they wouldn't have anything to do with them. They, they took the law of God pulled it to themselves, and built a wall between them and the Gentiles. Even Jesus told the, uh, the Pharisees in, in the New Testament, he said, you've shut up the kingdom against people. You, you won't allow people to come into it. You, you know, uh, you, you're building walls for people. But he came to tear down the wall. But, you know, the Gentiles were the same. They didn't want nothing to do with the Jews. And so there was 
enmity between them. They were against one another. And, and uh, we know that in this life today, in our world, it's like that today. We have uh, sides, political sides, racial sides. It's everywhere. Division is everywhere in this world. But that's not the way Jesus intended it to be. When he gave John that vision of heaven, he showed him uh, they were all wearing white robes, they were all holding palm leaves, and they were all saying the same thing, but they were all different races, different tongues, different kindreds. They were, they were all there. Nobody could, it said no man could number them, and they were all singing the same praise to God. Thank God. Thank God. But Jesus told us in the last day, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many would wax cold, and that nations would rise up against nations. And the word nation in Greek is ethnos, which means ethnicity. And we've seen a lot of racial tension in, in our day, especially in the last year. And we know, but here's the thing, that the church has what it takes to rise above that. There is no place in the church for bigotry and racism. It cannot exist here. It cannot exist here because as he broke down the walls between Jew and Gentile, the blood of Jesus, that's that common ground. That blood of Jesus, it will cleanse anybody. I don't care who they are, what language they speak, it will still wash their sins away. They can be filled with the same Holy Ghost. We are all on the same playing field. One place Paul says it's not about circumcision or uncircumcision. It's about a new creature. Well, white or black, red or yellow, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what color we are, what country we hail from. It does not matter. Once we come to Jesus, we're on the same ground as anybody else. It doesn't matter about our social status, our income, our education, any of that. We can come from the gutter or we can come from the palace. It doesn't matter. Both of them need Jesus. If the richest man in the world and the poorest man in the world stood before the Lord and he said, now which one of these just gets to go in? The answer would be neither one of them until they get what you got. They've got to have the blood of Jesus. And the Jews had to have the blood of Jesus as well. They had to believe uh, that this God that they served had come and manifest him in the, his self in the flesh, give his life on Calvary. They had to believe it too. Paul was a, a Jew, a very strict Jew, and persecuted the church. But once he got the revelation of Christ, he was baptized in the name of Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then he preached that same message uh, to his Jewish brothers and sisters. And uh, he would prove out of the scriptures that they had read and grown up on and cut their teeth on that this Jesus was the Christ they had been waiting for. And that's uh, what Paul wrote here. He said, but Christ, those that were sometimes far off, they're now made nigh by his blood, anybody. It doesn't, so it doesn't matter who they are. You know, that, that was the, the shock of the Jews in, in, when Cornelius and his house was converted. They were all standing there with their mouth hanging open because they were being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm like, hey, they got the Holy Ghost just like we did at, at the beginning. God's giving them the Holy Ghost just like he did to us. And they're Gentiles. But then they begin to glorify God. Said, well, 
God has granted repentance even to the Gentiles. And so then Peter said, well, who can forbid water? And so these men, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Guess what? Added to the church. They were added to the church. Jew or Gentile, as long as they obeyed the gospel, added to the church. And so Christ broke down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, the, the things that caused that were the, the ordinances and the laws and the things that Israel clinged to so tightly, which uh, they should, at that time, they were following the law, but they should not make it a, a wall. And we can't take the gospel and make it a wall to divide us or to shut, or to shut people out. Uh, we can't, it's not. The gospel is it's level playing field for all of us. It's the power of God unto salvation to all that believe. It, yeah, it was to the Jew first. They were offered it first, but to the Gentile as well. And so it is for all of us. And so in this day and time where the world is just constantly trying to divide and divide and divide and divide, that's why, uh, you know, uh, why I hate politics because I hate the fact that people can be uh, can hate one another over red or blue. Yeah, they, they, you know, yeah, red or blue, red and blue divides, black and white divides. Yeah, why? Why not? If we if we have the blood of Jesus on our life, this cannot exist in the church. Racism cannot exist. Those kind of things, those kind of divisions, there will not be political division in this church. That's why. I, that's why people say, well, we, we need to be involved in politics. Well, I think you can vote. That's fine. But this is not a platform for preaching political speeches. You know, I'm never going to have a presidential candidate come here so he can preach or speak to the people. Never going to do it. Never going to do it. And it's because this is not a political arena. It's the house of God. And... and People say, well, if the whole country was red or if the whole country was blue, things would be better. If they don't have Jesus, it won't matter what color they are. Right. Being a Republican don't mean nothing if you ain't born again. Being Democrat ain't nothing if you ain't born again. Being independent ain't nothing if you ain't born again. We've got to have Jesus in our life. Oh, that's, that's just so simplistic, Pastor. Be what it is be what it is, it causes me a, a lot less grief. All these people got ulcers and headaches because they're so worried about politics. Not me. I don't even want people, you watch the debate? No. Why? You don't care? Is Jesus debating? If he's not, then I'm not watching it. I, I don't care. I don't care. I, 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 you know, I, it's not going to consume my life. Right. You know, I have not kept up with what they're doing with this recount or any of that stuff. Don't care because it's all in God's hand. Right. It, because it, whether the, it, whoever goes into that office, God has ordained what's happening in this world today. God has got his hand on it. I'm just going to keep trusting in God. Man, when you cast a vote, you can't never be 100% sure about nothing. You don't know what's going to happen once you cast that vote. What you can be sure of is that if you get yourself ready for Jesus, you'll go when he comes. I just want to be a citizen of the kingdom. And the Lord called us to preach the gospel. Yes, sir. 
And when, the, when God's people get back to just being God's people and not being so caught up in what's happening in this world. Well, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I'm a little old-fashioned. Maybe I'm a little old school. But I'd rather be like people in the Scripture were. I got to move where I sound like I'm trying to preach politics. I'm not trying to preach politics. But I do know that a lot of people wondered if Jesus would straighten out what was going on in Israel at that time with the Romans, but he didn't. He said, I come to save souls. I didn't, I didn't come to, to get rid of Felix or Herod or nobody. I just, I just come to save souls. So anyway, I guess I better move on. Mm-hmm. New citizenship. Take, I mean, we, we've got responsibility now that we're citizens of the kingdom. First of all, we must love God. We've got to love him first with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then we must love one another. And you can't hard to love somebody through a wall. We've got to break down the walls. You've got to love them no matter what they look like or who they voted for. You've got to love them. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. I tell you, mm, we're going to get there, though. We're going to get there. We're going to love them whether they are good to us or bad to us. We're going to love them. Whether they believe like us or not, we're going to love them. Because it's not that the love is not predicated on any other thing. Oh, no man, nothing but to love one another. Jesus loved them when they weren't even part of his people. And he brought them in. Jesus loved them knowing their faults. And he brought them in. Jesus loved them no matter how they were sick. He loved them no matter their political affiliation. He saw that centurion and said, I have not seen this kind of faith, not even in Israel. Not even in my people. Man, what a slap in the face to all them Pharisees standing around. Mm. Mm. To the disciples that were walking with him. Because they're Israel. And he just says, you know what? I ain't seen this kind of faith, not even in Israel. Whoa. Wait, hey. But see, Jesus will just tell the truth. Yeah. And so we've got to love people. doesn't matter. That centurion, man, hey, he, he, was, just, he, he was just a good guy. But he heard about what Jesus could do, and so he had faith. And even though he was a Roman, he served Caesar. And his allegiance was to Rome. And he was over people who served Rome. He got his prayer answered because of his faith. Praise God. We've got to have faith. And we've got to love one another. We've got to love people. We've got to love each other. We must overcome the world. Yeah, we've got to make sure that we're not held down and caught up and destroyed with the rest of the world. When Rahab, the, the, the story in Hebrews concerning her, Hebrews 11, 30 and 31 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, and they were compassed about seven days. But by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. She was there, but she survived because she says she, she didn't perish with them that believed not. She had faith. She believed God. And she didn't have to fall with the world. She didn't have to go the way of the world. And, and, uh, and then she didn't stay in the ruins of Jericho once Israel moved on. She, she married into it. I'm glad we're married into it. 
I'm glad we're the bride. I'm glad we're the church. And I'm glad today that we can, uh, we can receive that love of God and then love others and be brought right into the body, right into this body. So we're, we're rooted, the scripture says, rooted and grounded. That's actually in Ephesians as well, rooted and grounded in love. If you don't have love, your faith don't mean nothing because faith worketh by love. Yeah, that's, that's Bible too. That faith is, that love is the engine for faith. If you got faith, that's great, but if you got no love, you just got something that don't do nothing. But everything that God does is motivated by his love. Then we should be the same. When we pray for somebody, you can't pray for people you don't love and expect it to work. Pray for them that despitefully use you. That means you need to love them. Pray for them that talk about you. That means you got to love them. Oh, I'm talking about with the love of the Lord. You got to love them because guess what? As bad as they may have treated you or I, Jesus still wants to save them. Ain't no way Jesus shed his blood for that cat. Yeah, he did. Hey, you know what? You hear what they what that person did? They locked him up. He's on death row. You heard about all he done? I do. I heard about it. It's awful. It's terrible. I can't even imagine it. Guess what? Jesus died for him. Right. Right. If he, what would you do if someone who had murdered about fifty people in a most horrible way called you up and said, "Come preach the gospel to me." This is my last. I'm on death row. They're gonna execute me tomorrow. I need somebody to come and preach to me. And you got the phone call. And it happened to be somebody you knew was one of his victims. and You got the call. It'd be tough, wouldn't it? Yeah. You'd want to pass it on to somebody else. But what if somebody went and preached the gospel to him and they, they allowed him to go and be baptized in Jesus' name? He might still be executed. You know where he's going to open his eyes up? Right. Right. Mm. There was a man hanging on the cross was dead in his sins, but Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He said, I know I'm supposed to be hanging here. He said, but I'm just asking you to remember me when you come to your kingdom. Today, verily I say unto thee, you will be with me in paradise. Well, that's, that's why I'm talking about God can, can get people who are not even closely, remotely connected and by their faith, they become citizens to the household of God. I'm glad today I can be part of that. Honey, come on to the music. I'm glad that we can be a part of that. When you, you know, knowing these things, when you go back, you know, I, I said this the other day, I was talking about some of these genealogy kind of things. You can stand with me. You know, what good are the genealogies? It's because every name tells a story. How can you, you know, it, that will help you to help others when you realize that no matter what their name is, God knows it. When you read all these genealogies in Scripture, you know, you know why they're there? Because God put them there. I just feel like men were writing stuff down. Nah. God put all those names in there so we would see the progression, the things he could do. He didn't have to name Rahab, but he did. He didn't have to give us that long genealogy of the lineage of Christ, but he did. He said, I want you to see how imperfect people can come into perfection or completeness through me.
how that people who were not even connected to me can be changed and saved. I would imagine that Rahab's husband had to see a definite change in her before he would agree to marry her. Her profession would warrant that. I got to make sure that you're out of that profession before I marry. You know, I, I, I need to know that you're mine and mine only, that that life is over with. Well, the Lord wants to know that life's over with. Well, it's over with, Lord. But when, now when this time of year, especially when people are talking about the birth of the Lord, you know, you can do more than just look at what happened there in Bethlehem, but you can just look back. Start, start going backwards and, and, and look at what happened at Jericho and connect it to Bethlehem. Because what happened in Jericho is connected to that manger and that child that slept in it. Oh, well, I'm telling you, we may be somewhere far off, but that scarlet rope, that blood, brings us nigh, brings us close. I'm sure Rahab never in her wildest dreams, if somebody had a said, oh, you won't even understand this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Several hundred years from now, this little baby's going to be born. He'll be the savior of the world coming out of your family. You never know what God might do with your family. Let's lift our hands and pray this morning. Lord, we love you and we're so thankful that you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light, that you have grafted us into your vine. Lord, we're so thankful to be part of the citizenship or that fellowship of the kingdom of God. Lord, help us now to live as citizens of your kingdom, to love one another, to be there for one another. Lord, to pull down the walls that have separated us, Lord, realizing that you shed your blood for us all. We praise you for it today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you're glad to be a part of that kingdom today. Glad to be a part of the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. God bless you. We've got a great uh, service coming up. We're going to be baptizing one today after church. Lane's going to be at least one anyway. Lane's getting baptized in Jesus' name. Got the Holy Ghost last week. And then we're going to be dedicating that sweet little baby, uh, Archie Paul, this morning. So we're glad about that today. So let's find a place to pray before the next service. God bless you.